It'll be oh, I am in the, I was telling the first service, I, I, I was in betwixt. You know what betwixt means, right? It's the idea of being between two things, not sure which way to go, what to do. Uh, and I was betwixt because I was struggling with how I go ahead and uh, do, I, do I do something kind of focused on 4th of July, freedom, and all that stuff? Do I continue the series in uh, dealing with elders and the glorifying God through the congregation, through deacons, through pastors? And I thought, uh, can I mold them together? Can I meld them together? Can I bring them together? So that's what I tried to do. I hope it communicates to you. Uh, but we're going to talk about freedom today. And uh, it's something that's going to be on everybody's hearts and minds uh, at some point during the weekend as, uh, as they recall the history of our nation. So before we get to the main topic, I want to just talk about famous quotations related to freedom. Now, I say they're famous because they were on multiple websites, almost every one of them. Uh, but I didn't know most of them. Some of them I do know. And, uh, but uh, some of them, I, I really wonder how many of us really know some of these quotations. But let, let's just see what they have to say. All right, first of all, this is from Epictetus. All right, I've been practicing. All right, I flubbed it big time in the first service. All right, now I'm probably not to say his name again. That guy, all right, he says, Is freedom anything else than the right to live as we wish? Nothing else. He believes that freedom is just about what we want, when we want it. And, and now, again, I don't, this is a guy's from, you know, when you only have one name, like there's not, a, there's not a, an after name, right? You're probably pretty old. This one's out there, been around for a while. But he had a view of freedom that it was the right to live as we wish. Now, if we were to go ahead and extend him some grace and say, well, yeah, we kind of like that freedom too. I don't want to be under anybody's uh, command or anything. It's the idea, I just want to do what I want to do. But I think inherent in this is the idea, he's probably not saying that he wants to have what he has over against someone else. It's the idea, I, I want them to have what they want, but I want what I want. So that's, that's definitely a philosophy that is in our world. But we ought to be cautious. And that's really what George Washington says when he says, while we are contending for our own liberty... We should be cautious not to violate the rights of conscience in others. So as we go through these, there's a number of quotations we're going to look at here. As we look at these, these could be written today. They could be applied to our lives today. We're looking at both, we'll be looking at uh, believers and non-believers as, as we consider these quotations. But he's saying, listen, we ought to be cautious not to violate the rights of conscience in others. Have you ever had your conscience violated? Have you ever been shushed? Have you ever been made to uh, feel like your opinion just really wasn't the opinion anyone else wanted to hear? George Washington says, listen, while we're contending for our own liberty, let's, not, let's, not, uh, let's be cautious not to violate this in others. Patrick Henry, one of the most famous quotes ever, at least the end of it. I just wasn't familiar with the beginning of it, but it's powerful. It says, Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? And let's be clear, I don't think he's talking about chains and, and slavery of, of the African-American community. I don't, I don't think that's what he's primarily talking about. I think he's talking about his own. Uh, as, they, as they are trying to get, under the, uh, get out from under uh, the control of, of Britain. He says, Forbid it, Almighty God. 
I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That preaches, doesn't it? I mean, listen, give me liberty. Well, listen, folks, let's be careful as we understand this. It's a powerful quote, and, and as an American, yeah, I'm right there. All right? But he actually calls upon God. Well, let's go to the next one. You would expect, talking about freedom and a quotation, you would expect Abraham Lincoln's uh, name to be up there. Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think he's known as a man of few words, actually. The, great, the, the Gettysburg Adra, uh, Address was so um, short and powerful, the people were left speechless because it was so short and powerful, and then they erupted into applause. But he's, he's uh, not a man of many words, and he's saying, listen, those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. I think we can agree with that. William Faulkner. Now, I don't know. Some of you are probably familiar with the name. I, many of you might not be. I have no idea what his spiritual condition is. But notice this. We must be free, not because we claim freedom, but because we practice it. I love hearing words from, again, I don't know, let's just say he's an unbeliever. If he's a believer, I apologize. But let's say he's an unbeliever. I love it when truth is spoken from an unbeliever's lips. That sounds a whole whole lot like God's Word. We're supposed to be doers of the Word, not just hearers only, right? He's saying we need to be practicing this this thing called freedom, not just claiming that we have it. And so I think that, that this... So much of this is, uh, could be preached and taught in today's circles with all the things going on in the world. The name George Orwell, for those of you that are old enough to know, probably sends shivers down your spines. I don't know. He wrote this book uh, in 1984, which is a, uh, it, it, it was a much-talked-about book, all right? Kind of weird, I think. I didn't read, I've read parts of it, I think, but not anything major. But he says, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. We're going to park here for just a couple of minutes. A couple of things I want to point out. One, we've transitioned from quotations dealing with freedom of person, right, to freedom of speech, freedom of profession. He's saying if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Have you ever tried to tell someone the gospel? Have you ever tried to engage him in, in a spiritual conversation and they're like, I don't want to hear it? I had a, we had friends in our neighborhood. We, we lived in a, a very close-knit neighborhood. I, I don't know if they're out there anymore. You know, we actually went to everybody's houses and did all kinds of things together. All the kids actually played in the, on, on the block and, you know, we, were, we would play all kinds of games together. But there's this one girl, her name was Kim. She was so much fun. She was a number of years, probably three, four years older than me. Um, but I remember talking to her, and I wasn't a believer at the time. I remember talking to her, and she was telling me uh, how someone came to the door, knocked on their door, and it was someone trying to evangelize them and give them the gospel. And so I remember her being very, just be, I mean, just she's, she's just larger than life. And she said, yeah, I just thought, oh, I know Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus. And she gave them what they wanted to hear. And as she shut the door, she was like, yeah, she didn't believe anything about Jesus. She just wanted to get them away. She didn't want to hear what they had to say. He's saying liberty means, if, if, it means that 
it's the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. We live in a world where people do not want to hear what we have to say when we are bold and willing to say it. Albert Einstein, we tend to think of physics and all those things, uh, but this, and this is talking about laws, not laws of physics, but laws of mankind. He says, but laws alone cannot secure freedom of expression. There's the freedom of speech thing again. In order that every man may present his views without penalty, there must be a spirit of tolerance in the entire population. That's a powerful statement. We can agree with this statement. At least I think I can. He's saying, listen, law doesn't secure us rights and freedom. All right? In order that every man may present his views without penalty. This is the idea of freedom of speech. I, when I was a chaplain in the military, I was looking out for people's freedom of religion, expression of religion. But part of that is freedom of speech. Our freedom of speech is being challenged. We'll look at another quotation here in a minute, and it's so true today when it was spoken about many years ago. But here we see, it's like he's, his perspective, Einstein's perspective, is that every man ought to be able to present his view without penalty. I shouldn't get shushed. But in order for that to happen, there must be a spirit of tolerance. That word has been corrupted and hijacked. When we talk about tolerance, the right sense of tolerance is, I don't like what you're saying, but you have every right to say it. Just as I have every right to say what I need to say. I will tolerate this because it's the right, respectful American thing to do, is to be tolerant. The problem is we live in a world where tolerance is demanded but never given to Christians. Very, not, I can't use the word never there. Is frequently not given to Christians for them to speak what they have to say, going back to the previous quote, because nobody wants to hear it. For this to happen without penalty, there must be a spirit of tolerance in the entire population, not just those in control. Harry S. Truman, all right? This one sends shivers down my spine because the world we live in now, I think, might be further down the path that he talks about. Once the government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. I'm not a politically minded person. I take things as they come. I believe I serve uh, the Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings, right? I, that's who I'm responsible to and accountable to. And so I don't really tend to get bent out of shape about this stuff. But when our government is committed to principles of silencing the voice of opposition, who's in opposition to the world? God's Word. God and God, the things of God, they're, they're in opposition. And, and listen, folks, with the, with the uh, overturning of Roe, uh, Roe v. Wade, with the, that overturning, there was this, uh, how many of you belong to, to Positive Merrimack? Is it a Facebook page? Is it Facebook? A Facebook, uh, Positive Merrimack. Anybody part of that? We love it, actually. I'm not, I, yeah. So they, they say a lot of great things. And what we like about it is over the years we've been here is if anybody comes on there and says something negative, they're shut down. It's like, no, 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 this is positive Merrimack. 
We're sharing the good things that are going on. We're talking about things that, you know, they, you know we're not trying to take any political stance. So what was on Positive Aramac Forum this week? After Roe v. Wade is overturned, what's next? Prayer in schools? Not very positive from a Christian perspective. They're saying we don't agree with that decision. We don't agree with the possibility of prayer being come back in school. I doubt prayer is going to come back in school. I doubt it. There's this thing called revival. It happens. We can pray for it. We should expect it. But, you know, from our perspective, that might be a, a, a bit of a stretch. But listen, as we talk about this silencing the voice of opposition, God's word, God's voice has been slowly and methodically silenced. And we are under pressure as God's children to silence the preaching and the speaking of the gospel. There's only one way to go. Increasing repression, a source of terror. Everyone lives in fear. That last little comment there kind of reminds me of the world we live. You don't know who to say what to. You don't know how to refer to people. You don't know anything. There's right ways and wrong ways of doing things, folks. But listen, there's a lot of times where I'm like, Better, better not say anything because it'll probably just cause some drama that I don't know how to clean up. That's a form of fear. Here's one for you. This should be familiar, right? Live free or die. Is Aaron in the room? There's Aaron in the room, right? Aaron's the one that taught me that John Stark <laughs> said this. Uh, Aaron Stark. Uh, relative or no? No, no. Not claiming him? Man, this is a guy you want to claim, Right? So here's, live free or die, death is not the worst of evils. That's a great statement. We, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in the live free or die state, personally. I love it, okay? Uh, I'm not, not saying anything derogative about it. Man is most free when controlled by God alone. Oh, where did this one come from? Well, a guy by the name of Augustine. It's Augustine, Florida, Augustine the person, just so you know, all right? Man is most free when controlled by God. We have transitioned from freedom of self, freedom of person, to freedom of speech. And now we're talking about a freedom that nobody else is talking about. Man is most free when controlled by God alone. Wait a minute, I'm from the live free or die state. I don't like this controlled word, right? Again, another word that can mean wonderful things and, and bad things. But here we're talking about being controlled by God. Is it not your passion as a child of God to be controlled by His Holy Spirit? To have that, that, that uh, the, the, the third person of the Trinity dwelling within us so we can say, greater is He that is in us than He is in the world? The one that's trying to silence us? It's like Augustine says, man is most free when controlled by God alone. This is good news. But let me just share one more, and there's a story behind this next one. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Most people in this room will remember why these words are famous. They were saved to the very end of Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream. It's shared at least once a year. At least once a year, these words are shared. But notice this, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. But notice my note. They're actually words of a Negro spiritual. When Martin Luther King spoke these words, he was familiar with his heritage and his history. 
And there were people in his heritage and his history that were physical slaves. He supposedly lived in a free America. But we know all, all the stuff that, that was going on then. But I want to bring your attention to the words of the hymn of the Negro spiritual that he's reciting. Look at these words. Some come crippled and some come lame. Some come walking in my Jesus' name. All right? I want you to picture. Cotton fields in, in Georgia, all right? People slaving, working the land, not able to make the decisions that they would like to make. They are, they are literally under the bondage of other people, and they're singing, some come crippled and some come lame, some come walking in my Jesus' name. Way down yonder in the graveyard walk, me and my Jesus going to meet and talk. On my knees, when the light passed by, thought my soul would rise and fly. And I, I, heard, I read that one, I'm like, I'll fly away, oh glory. I just came to my mind, right? Uh, but listen, this person, these people, as they're singing a song, they have, they have a focus that I think we ought to have uh, in our own lives. Some of these mornings, uh, some of these mornings, bright and fair, going to meet Jesus in the air. Someday it's coming, folks. Someday it's coming. The eternal God is going to come back into, into the realm of man and, and catch us up to himself. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. As they sang this song, as you can picture that, there's a couple of thoughts that came to my mind. One, spiritual freedom was all they could imagine because they could not have physical freedom. For the majority of, of people who were singing this song, they could only imagine what spiritual freedom looked like. But notice this. Their lack of physical freedom did not hinder their faith in Jesus. They were calling out to the Lord. Physical freedom is some is all some people can imagine today. Think about the world that we live in, folks. And I, I say it often enough, I joke about it often enough, but really the attitude is very genuine. You're not the boss of me. In our particular situation, yes, you are. Okay? You are my boss, all of you. Right? But in a sense, it's an attitude. You ever had a child say to, to, to you as a parent? Whew, look out, Right? That's, that's going to be some wildfire. What about a teacher to a student? You know, what about, what about a parent to a child? You're not the boss of me. There's any number of circumstances, but physical freedom, we, we are just, we're all about having what we have, what we, what we want, and doing what we want to do. Don't tell me I can't have my physical freedom. But people's lack of spiritual freedom is unknown to them. We live in a world that's so caught up in the physical, they don't have any clue about the spiritual bondage that they're in. And we know this to be true. So as we transition from these quotations and this drawing of, of uh, our attention to this aspect of freedom, I, I want us to just look at a few things. Where does one go to find spiritual freedom? And there is a, there is a, a, a very Sunday school-ish answer to this. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. That's where we go. So consider this big idea as we go through the rest of, the, of our time together. God is glorified when His Word 
sets people free. You want to get me passionate about something? I can be passionate about a lot of things. I didn't cry first service. Don't intend to cry this one. Thank you for putting up with my tears, by the way. But I will say this. I'm passionate about this statement. God is glorified when his word sets people free. Why am I passionate about that? Well, I love people. I love to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I do. I mean, whenever I got the chance, I'm trying to share the gospel with people. It's one of those things where when you're surrounded by Christians all the time, you still have to talk about the gospel because the gospel is for every person every moment, but it's not the same thing, right? You got to find people to talk to, engage in conversation, and and, and then introduce them to Jesus. So I'm passionate about the idea of, of God's word setting people free. But since I am usually surrounded by Christians, can I apply this to us? Are Christians in need of being set free from things in their life? You better believe it. There are things going on in your life that you don't want anybody else to know. There are things that you have done that you've never told your parents. My brothers always said the statute of limitations wasn't up on that yet when my parents found out about it, right? By the time it was so many years later, we were laughing about it. But I remember my mom's look all the time was like, what? Right? You did what? Right? And, um, of course, I never did those things, you know, but that's not true. Uh, But seriously, as Christians... There are things that we're caught up in. There are things that we there are things that have hold on our life and it, they will not let us go. Do you struggle with an addiction? It will not let you go. Do you struggle with uh, inward thoughts and, and, and outward actions? Do you do you do things just on such a habitual basis? You're like, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep thinking that? God, what's wrong with me? You're in need of being set free. It's the nature of man. Our initial salvation comes when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that he died for the world's sin. All the sin that any person of all time, every person of all time has committed uh, uh, Jesus, is his, his death on that cross paid for it all. It's black and white in Scripture. It is there. And so when someone comes to faith in that truth, that Jesus paid it all, and there's nothing I can do to earn God's favor, when someone comes to that level of faith, that simple childlike faith, they're born again. They're saved. They're redeemed. They've been uh, brought from death to life. They have been, uh, they were children of darkness, now the children of light, children of Satan, now children of God. All these different ways we have of expressing the truth that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. God is glorified when his word sets people free. I'm taking a lot longer in this sermon to get to this point, so we better get moving, all right? Isaiah foretold it. This was a scripture reading that, that um, Joe read for us. Isaiah uh, 61, 1 through 7. Uh, th- the fact that, that uh, God is glorified when his word sets people free. Isaiah foretold it. And we'll jump right to the next one. Jesus fulfilled it because notice the words in Luke 4, 16 and following. It says, so he came to Nazareth when he had been brought up. So Jesus comes home. Is it easy to witness 
the gospel to your family and your community where you grew up, right? They just know you too well. They know all the things you've done and all those things. Tough community, tough crowd, right? It says, and as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of, the, of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Let these words sink into your mind and heart. Isaiah foretold it a whole lot, uh, many, many years before Jesus ever came on the scene. He's walking into his hometown church, his hometown synagogue, and he says, it's his turn to read or however that was configured. And, and, and he goes, listen, these are words that Isaiah spoke and he foretold. And he's going to say, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. One of those moments, would have loved to have been there. Uh, I'm sure the, the Chosen, that series that's going out, they'll, they'll, they, I think they covered this one already, right? This is this probably season one. I recommend it. But how powerful are we talking here? Jesus said, Isaiah foretold of me. His testimony, his prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came, look at this, Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus came to set people free. He set so many of us in this room free, has he not? And yet there may be one who's here today that has never been set free from their sin. They have never come to the point of recognizing their sinfulness before a holy God. They've never understood that there is forgiveness for the little sins and for the major sins because Jesus Christ paid for them all. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. God's word changes lives. So we see that Isaiah foretold it. Jesus fulfilled it. The apostles practiced it. I'm going to look, just look at one apostle here, but we could look at many apostles and say, oh yeah, they, they practiced it here, they practiced it here. What were they practicing? They were setting people free with the Word of God. We see in Acts 26, this is, this is Paul's conversion testimony. He says, and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus, Saul. I'm Jesus. You know those words just went through him like a knife. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is telling them, listen, we're going to have a conversation right now, but we got other ones coming, just so you know. 
All right? I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Here's the purpose, Paul. I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Remember that, that uh, Isaiah 61 passage? And then Jesus said, it's fulfilled in my hearing. What was it? He came to, to free captives and to open the eyes of the blind. And he's going to use Paul to do it, as well as the other apostles, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Isn't that beautiful? And from the power of Satan to the power of God. They were under the control of Satan, and they are being set free. Paul, uh, God says, Jesus is saying to Paul, I'm going to use you to set them free so that they can come to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, we, this is the gospel, and, and there's so much more we have to talk about here, but I want you to understand this is God's plan. He foretold it. He fulfilled it. He, the, the apostles practiced it, and they practiced it by making sure that people understood that they could receive forgiveness of sins. And you can too. But Paul also instructed, uh, instructed others to do it. What did he instruct others to do? Set people free with God's word. He says this generally in, in, in Galatians 5.1. Just if you read the family happenings, I was going to do more in Galatians. I changed my mind, and we're, we're only going to touch on this verse. All right, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Are you free today? I mean, seriously, do you have a sense of Christian freedom? We're celebrating the freedom we have as Americans, and yet we feel oppressed. We feel shushed. We are being silenced. I don't call that freedom. If freedom is the ability to speak what other people don't want to hear, coming from the mouth of an unbeliever, more than likely, then, then listen, folks, we ought to speak what they don't want to hear and speak the gospel. He said, stand fast, Galatians, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. We currently exist in freedom. Nobody can take it away from us. Physical freedom, yes. Physical freedom can take, be taken from you like that. And I think it's coming. But I will say spiritual freedom, it's secure in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You can never have that taken away from you. Then he, then he challenges, and this is for us believers, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Paul's talking to the believers in, in Galatia. He's saying, listen, listen, you, you have this liberty, so, so don't get tangled up again with what? With your past, with the things that dominate your life, with the sin that so, see, that so easily besets us. Put it off. Run the race. He says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, Now the, where, uh, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is that, that reality that all of us being dwelled by the Holy Spirit. We are free because wherever He is, there is liberty, freedom. So Paul instructed others, but Paul specifically instructed the elders that pastors 
to make sure that they were being people who were teaching and preaching the Word of God in such a way where people could be set free from their sin, which glorifies God. That's why God sent His Son into the world, to redeem sinners. I'm one, and most of you are as well. But some of you are not. And you need to come to Jesus. Paul instructed us as pastors, as elders, to go ahead and communicate this truth and to make sure we continue to do it. Uh, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 4. We'll spend the rest of our time in this passage. It says, I charge you therefore, Timothy. Right? Paul is saying to Timothy, uh, Tim- the book of Timothy and Titus, uh, th- those books, 1 2 Timothy and Titus, known as the pastoral epistles. It's the idea that Paul is saying, listen, I'm getting ready. 2 Timothy, last book Paul wrote. Getting ready to leave the scene, Timothy. God's going to be calling me home soon. I, I know it to be true. Let me, let me one last time just share some words with you to try and, and help you understand the importance of what your ministry is. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He's saying, listen, I, I'm going to see you there, Timothy. I'm charging you. I'm exhorting you. I'm challenging you. I'm reminding you. I'm commanding you. When Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, when he comes, preach the word. Preach the word, Timothy. That's your mission, pastors. That's your mission, elders. We're going to talk a whole lot more about this, but we've talked about the different qualifications, different expectations that God has, expectations that sheep have. We've talked about all these things over the last number of weeks, but we, can we say this? The one thing elders slash pastors are known for is they are called to preach the word. Not our word, God's word. We do it our way. I have my idiosyncrasies. I have my strengths. I have my weaknesses. There are those who, are, who do it better. There are those who do it differently. You might like one preacher over another. I mean, I have a whole list of guys I'd rather hear than me. Right? So do you. No. So listen, folks. We are called as pastors to preach the word. But notice this. As, as this word, this, this idea, preach the word, this command... It's followed. It's not highlighted here. But the next word, the next two words, be ready, right there, be ready, also a command. It's a command. Preach the word, Timothy. Be ready, Timothy. What am I I supposed to be ready for? Well, first of all, before you talk about what, when, be ready in season and out of season. It's the idea that your foremost thing is to engage people in the Word of God to change their lives and set them free from either sin to salvation or in their salvation, freeing them to to mature in their faith and glorify God even more. But preach the Word. And Timothy, you better be ready. Be persistent. You are supposed to preach it and be ready in season and out of season at all times, not just when it's convenient. When you have this aha moment, a, a divine moment, and God to bring someone into your life at that very moment, and they say, Pastor, Elder, I, you know, Timothy, you know, this is what's going on in my life. Are you ready, Timothy? Is a part of who you are? Has God done his work in you and is now trying to do his work through you? Be ready. 
In season and out of season. Then he gives these words, wonderful words. Convince. Convince them, Timothy. Convince them of what? Convince those who are wrong in their belief. Convince them to come to the truth. They're believing false doctrine. Convince them otherwise. Use the word of God to convince them. Are you ready, Timothy? Then rebuke them. Well, rebuke them for what? For their false practices, the things that they're doing wrong. They may believe wrong, convince them. They may do wrong, rebuke them. What about exhorting? Are you ready to exhort? Exhortation's a wonderful thing. It's the idea of coming alongside and, and exhorting, challenging, encouraging, bringing someone to understand the Word of God in such a way that it changes their life. And we're supposed to do these things. Pastors, elders are supposed to do these things with long-suffering and teaching together. Patience and the Word. Patience and the Word. Some people are more patient than others as pastors and elders. I've met some very impatient. Uh, one of my stories is uh, uh, a couple of ladies step into the office of a pastor, unburdening their soul with some things going on in the church. And the pastor literally took the pencil from his desk and threw it down. I, I was hearing this after that. I wasn't there to witness it. But I was like, some people are not patient. I'm not the most patient people, person at times. But we're called to be long-suffering, patient, and teaching. We're supposed to be bringing the Word of God, bringing the Word of God. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, Timothy, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Timothy, it's going to take place. You're going to experience this. There's a time coming when the people that you are teaching and that you are uh, uh, um, sowing your life into and sowing the Word of God into, they're going to hear things they don't want to hear. They're not going to endure sound doctrine, sound teaching. They're just not going to endure it. He says, but according to their own desires. That word desire, it can be positive and negative. Usually in the negative, it's, it's, uh, it's translated as lust. And you can use that here. But according to their own lusts, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They're not just heap up you know, things they want. They, I want to go where someone's going to tell me what I want to hear. We're probably a lot like that, right? We're all, what, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the truth? People don't like the truth when it's confronting them and calling them to account before a holy God. So they will find those false teachers who are saying what they like. And I could spend here probably an hour and tell you all the different people who are doing this stuff in the world for, uh, during my lifetime. Paul is telling Timothy, there are going to be those that are doing this out of their lusts, because they have itching ears, they're going to they're gonna find their own teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn their back on, on right doctrine and they will go after myths, fables, fairy tales, things that, that sound good, they itch the ears, but they have no basis in Scripture. Remember, Paul wrote to Timothy, that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed, right? And it's profitable. 
for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction and righteousness. It's, it's good for all these things, Timothy. And he's just saying, listen, preach the word. Be ready. Because this is what is coming your way. And then he concludes this portion with, but you, Timothy, you as pastor, elder, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of, the, of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul's already told, told Timothy, he's like, listen, you, know, you, you got saved through your mom and your, and your grandma, and they, they sold the word of God into you. We know that Timothy came under the discipleship of, of Paul probably in his 20s. He was probably serving in the church in Ephesus in his late 20s, early 30s. He's a young man. Paul says to Timothy, don't let people despise your youth, Timothy. No, 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 no. Don't let people despise your youth. Preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke. Do all those things, Timothy. Why? Because God has called you to do it. It's your ministry. You will, it is up to you to be watchful, to, to be alert in all things, Timothy. And you're going to have to endure afflictions. And we've talked about that. I'm not going to spend any time on that today. But do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Be one to preach the gospel. God is glorified when his world, excuse me, when his word sets people free. So two ways I want to, or a couple of comments actually. That's just, are you in need of spiritual freedom? All right. Many of you are and you may not know it. So when I close in prayer today, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that God will reveal to you and to me ways in which I am enslaved to the things in this world. Where I need to be set free. Because you know what? We make the disciples, but we're also trying to mature disciples. And that maturing process just means that we are continually trying to give more over to the Lord. Give more over to the Lord. Lord, he didn't ask you to change everything like that. Little by little, he grows you and matures you. Glorify God this morning by receiving the spiritual freedom which only Jesus can give you. All right, so that's for those that have never come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, let me give you an outline of the gospel. And I can print this off for you if you ever need it and want to talk about it. But it's very simple. We've looked at it before. An outline of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is just the whole Bible in a nutshell. The whole story that God's trying to con convey. In Genesis, we're introduced to God. And God created man in perfect, man and woman, and it was very good. But they were deceived in the garden, and they fell into sin. They violated God's standard. And God had told them, the day you eat of this fruit, of that particular fruit, you will surely die. Death came into the world. So God created man who fell into sin, and sin leads to death. But praise God, the good news of the gospel is God sent his one and only son, God the Son, a person of the Trinity. He comes on the scene in the New Testament, and he declares that in their hearing it is fulfilled. I have come to release captives. And the way that he did that is by dying on the cross for your sins, for the sins of all people of all time. But it's only those who come to faith in him that believe that he is who he says he is and that he did what he said he did. 
Only those who come to faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ have life eternal. God, man, sin, death, Christ, cross, faith, life. It walks you right through the gospel. But you may have questions that I don't have time to answer today, and I want to encourage you. If you need to come to faith in Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute here. But if you pray, please talk to me or talk to someone and tell them that you've been released from the bondage of sin. For those of you who are Christians, I'm going to pray for you as well. As I've said, that those things in your life that are holding you bound, that by interacting with God's Word, that He will set you free. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word, and I thank You for the opportunity to pray for people who do not know You. Whether it be here in this room, whether it be someone online, whether it be someone that watches a video, you are present in all places. You know all hearts. You hear all prayers. And so, Father, I pray for those that are still trapped in their sin. They've never received forgiveness because they did not know it existed. They did not know they could have spiritual freedom. They've been caught up in everything else in the world trying to find satisfaction, and they just can't find it. It's because true satisfaction, true life is only found through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those or anyone who may realize that they've never been forgiven by you. Lord, I pray that they would pray a prayer that would recognize their sinfulness and recognize that their faith in Jesus Christ. If you're in that situation today, would you pray some words, something like this? God, you are God, and I am not. I've known about Jesus, but I never understood who he is. He's not just your son. He's your only son. And you sacrificed him on a cross to pay the debt of my sin. Father, forgive me of my sin. And Father, may I live my life anchored in your book, in your book anchored in your word, so that I might mature in my faith and bring you glory all the days of my life. If anyone's prayed a prayer like that, again, I would say don't leave this place without telling somebody. If you're at home, send us an email. Father, for those that are here this morning and they're, they've been believers for uh, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, a couple decades, for many, many decades, Father, I pray if sin has a hold in their life, I pray that they would look into your word and find freedom. Father, if it's an addiction, I pray that they would find freedom. If it's angst of soul, I pray that they find freedom. Father, if it's anger towards themselves or towards others, I pray that they would find freedom. If it's forgiving someone's uh, a hurt of the past or the present, I pray that they would find freedom in your word. Father, we seek to glorify you in all things, and we pray this morning
for those who are in need of being free of all the stuff that they seem to drag around with them. Lord, I pray that you do your work in the lives of your people as only you can. Father, we pray again as we normally do that the heart response of everyone in this room would bring you glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.